So how many of my listeners out there have children? Uh, probably a bunch of you. Most folks have kids these days. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, however many you've got. You know, <laughs> that just made me think of something. I never know what I'm going to say till I turn this microphone on, but that just made me think of something. You know, man, have times changed. For those uh, listeners that know who Groucho Marx is, right, or was, Groucho Marx, if you don't know who that is, Google it. Do you know what got him taken off the air? So I hope this doesn't get me taken off the air. Uh, <laughs> Groucho Marx was uh, doing his show, his program, and he had a lady on the program. And this lady had several children. I mean, she had like six or seven children. And um, Groucho was interviewing her, right? And was talking to her. And he said, man, why, uh, why do you have so many children? And she responded, well, Groucho, I love my husband. And Groucho, without hesitation, said, and this is what got him taken off the air. He said, well, I love my cigar, but I take it out every now and again. <laughs> by today's standard, that probably would have just everybody laugh and just carry on. But back then, man, that was that was bad. That was really bad. So um, that that actually got him taken off the air. Um, but anyway, you, you love your children. You try and provide for your children. You try and try to guide your children to do the right thing. At least I hope you do. Um, man, when I was a little kid, if you were outside, you know, throwing rocks or, or, you know, being mischief as we, as children will be, and the neighbor would come out and say, Hey, you better go home. Stop that. We wouldn't smart off to that adult. We would go home <laughs> because if we smarted off to that adult, uh, believe me, she would be contacting my mom or dad. When my dad got home, I, there'd be a, <laughs> an awakening. Um, and so we didn't do that. And I don't know where the society shifted now. You know, if somebody calls and gripes about your kid, you cuss them out or tell them where to go, probably. Um. But one thing I, I, I thought of, um, we need as adults, as, as adults with children, we need to quit lying to our kids. I mean, we've been doing that for a long time and, and we just need to, <laughs> we need to not lie to them or, or give them false in, impressions. I mean, I guess Santa Claus is okay in certain things, uh, you know, we, which there is a Santa Claus, right? So, but, um, Come on back and we'll talk about it. Hi, this is Brian Reynolds. You're listening to the Appraisal Update Podcast, brought to you as always by the very fine folks of Appraiser eLearning. Need some education? Hey, check us out at appraiserelearning.com. Not only do we have a, uh, many, many online courses available that you can kind of take when you want at your leisure, we also now are offering many, many virtual classes and folks are seeming to really like the virtual format. So uh, we're going to continue to expand our library of offerings. And we ask that you check us out. Uh, the next time you need some education, please remember us over at Appraiser eLearning. And you can go to appraiserelearning.com and find out more information. All right. So, you know, I kind of said quit lying to your kids. And um, what I mean by that is we have a, we've, we've had an old saying for a long, long time that 
practice makes. And you know what the, what the answer is. Practice makes perfect. And we teach our children that. Just keep practicing. You'll get it. Practice makes perfect. And that's really a lie. Practice does not make perfect because there's no such thing as perfect. Guys, perfection doesn't exist. So let's quit teaching our children. If they try hard enough, they'll be perfect. And there's nothing wrong with not being perfect. You know, we should all achieve, um, you know, a certain level and, and then try to continue to better ourselves. Never stop learning. I, I've said this in class a lot, especially when I used to work out all the time, run the, I need to start doing that again for crying out loud. But, you know, I, I did a couple half marathons. I did a triathlon. And, uh, and I don't know, for, at least for me, when, when, when I work out, it's a great stress reliever and it's, um, it kind of goes hand in hand when I'm working out, I, I just automatically eat better. And I don't know why, I, you know, it's not like I'm purposely trying to do that. It just, it goes, I guess you subconsciously think, man, it took me this long to shed off some of the shed off some of these uh, calories. I don't want to just put them right back on or in a bad way. I, I don't know. But, but for me, one kind of went with the other, but even with that, you're not going to get perfect. You're going to get better. You're going to improve. So really the saying should be practice makes better. I think that would be more appropriate. Don't you, you know, I'm a shooter. I, li- I like to shoot. And, um, I had a couple of police officers in my class, uh, one in Cincinnati area and one virtually. And I asked both of them, I said, uh, how often are you required by your department to go practice range practice shooting? And both of them said, well, we're required to go at least once a quarter. And, you know, that's probably why so many concealed carry permit holders are better shots than the police because they practice with more regularity. Um, a practice makes better and shooting is a, is a, is a perishable skill. If you don't use it, you lose it. Right. So we all need to continue to practice and try to continue to improve because again, none of us are perfect. You know, right in our standards and our ethics, it says that. And I'm so glad that this is in there. You know, there's a statement. It says, it says something to the effect of, I'll look it up, but perfection is impossible to attain and competency doesn't require perfection. I think I got it. Now it goes on to say that you, you know, you can't be careless and negligent. You can't have 44 errors in a <laughs> report, right? Cause then, then while each of those may be minor in the aggregate, they may become significant, right? But guys, nobody expects you to be perfect because there's no such thing as perfection. You know, I I, uh, I studied martial arts most of my life, and we would teach these youngsters to do katas. That's that's a form, and we would say, "All right, look, if you mess up, nobody's gonna know you messed up unless you telegraph it." In other words, if you were supposed to do a number two outside 
solid block, and instead you do a number two inside chop block. Nobody knows that but you and maybe me. I taught you the, the form. So just keep going. If you telegraph that, you know, if you, <laughs> if you stop and you lower your head, you shake your head from left to right, you stomp your foot and, you know, whisper, gosh, I messed up. Then, yes, the world's going to know you messed up. But if you just keep going, they probably won't even notice. And next time, let's practice to be better. You know, all three of my children took dance, and I was the parent that got roped into participating sometimes. And the choreographer would say, you know, if you mess up, keep going, because the audience doesn't know the routine. And so if you do a, a jazz square instead of a Georgia jazz square, nobody's going to know that. And I know the difference. Don't ask me how. <laughs> if you do a jazz square instead of a Georgia jazz square, nobody's going to know the difference. Now, I'm not communicating this in an effort to try and green light bad behavior or, or unethical behavior or incompetence or anything along those lines. But guys, we're human beings. We're prone to making mistakes. You know, one of the things about real estate is the imperfect nature of real estate. That's why when you get three sales and you put them on a grid, I mean, if you could, in theory, theoretically, if you could adjust with extreme precision, the market's reaction to all these various differences, theoretically, your adjusted sale prices would all come out exactly the same. And theoretically, if you did a cost approach and you were able to measure the market's reaction and estimate depreciation with extreme precision, then your cost approach number ought to come out at the exact same amount as your sales comparison number. And the, and the true would be said about the income approach as well. You know, if one market approach to value is behaving in a particular fashion, another market approach to value has to be behaving in a similar fashion. Now, they're not going to come out all three exact. We know that. And the reason they're not going to come out all three precisely the same is because the imperfect nature of real estate. You know, we all want to look good. I understand that, you know, some of us take, try to take care of ourselves better than others, but you know, you're never too old. Take care of yourself, but putting all these filters on. And I mean, have you seen people put filters on some of the social media stuff? And then you meet, they don't look anything like that. It's like, who are you? Because everybody's striving to be perfect. And you know, there's nothing wrong with being imperfect. One thing they did with USPAP, uh, this update, which I'm thankful for, they took that language and they moved it out of standard one and standard three over to the competency rule. Let me tell you about that for a moment. 
Standard one is the development for a real property appraisal. Standard three is the development for a real property appraisal review. You know, the appraisal and the appraisal report are two entirely different things. Remember that. Standard one deals with the appraisal, the development, and standard two is the report mechanism. It's how you're going to report the results of the appraisal to your client. Well, this is the interesting thing. That statement saying, hey, nobody's perfect. It was housed in standard one and standard three. So if you want to play devil's advocate for a moment, I do that a lot. I mean, a lot. If you want to play devil's advocate for a moment, you could say, all right, Johnny, you don't have to have a perfect appraisal because there's no such thing as perfection. But because of that statement's in standard one and not standard two, by God, you better have a perfect appraisal report. And that's not realistic either, is it? Because we're not perfect in anything we do. You know, you can be highly ethical, you can be highly competent, and still not perform at a perfect level. I mean, I'm no saint, um, but when it comes to my appraisal practice, I always try and do the right thing. I, I try and not cross that ethical line. And sometimes there's confusion as to what's ethical and what's not. And we could educate on that. We can learn and discuss and come to a consensus on that. But guys, you're either ethical or you're not. And I hope you're ethical. I hope you're ethical in this business I so dearly love and care about. Um, I make mistakes. We all make mistakes. You know, I, uh, I try and do the right thing. I try to be ethical in all my businesses. I, like I said, I'm no saint. You can ask my ex-wife. I'm human. I make mistakes. And that's hard to say too, right? I really hate it. I really hate to say I, I'm wrong. Um, I get into a debate with someone. I say, that's all right. We'll agree to disagree. Or you're entitled to be wrong, <laughs> right? But no, it's that we're agreeing to disagree. My good friend, John Brennan, and I uh, down at the Arrow. Hey, John, uh, we were at the Arrow College. We got in this debate. It wasn't an argument. It was a debate. And we were talking about geographic competency. And I'll save that for another broadcast. But, you know, I, that just gives me heartburn. I, I, I hate that term. I think you're either competent or you're not. I do think there's geographic issues. You know, I can't come down to, to Dallas this afternoon and do a good job appraising a house for a refinance. But it's not because I don't know how to do it. I know how to do it. You do it the same way there that you do where I'm sitting. And I'm confident that my listeners right now could come to my little town along the Ohio River and appraise a house and do a good job. If you're competent where you're at to appraise houses for a purchase transaction. I mean, we do it the same way here that you do there. There's three approaches to value. How many approaches to value are there where you're sitting? There's 10 standards to USPAP here in Owensboro, Kentucky. How many standards of USPAP are there where you're sitting right now? Right? The definition of real property, the definition of real estate, the four agents of production, the four criteria of highest and best use, 
the four influences that create value. What are the four economic influences that create value? Well, you know, the answer to all those, those questions are the same, whether you're sitting here in Owensboro or whether you're in Dallas or Portland or uh, Maryland or Pennsylvania or Florida or wherever you're at. So it is a geographic issue. I couldn't come to Dallas and do a good job today because I don't know that market area. It's not because I'm incompetent. It's not because I don't know how to do the process. And John and I went round and round about that. I <laughs> uh, love him. I, I think he finally said, okay, so it's just the wording you don't like. I said, that's exactly what I don't like. And I don't know. I need to write a letter. Uh, foundation always says, write a letter. If you're not happy with something, write a letter. We re- and they do, guys. If, if you, if you want to see a change, write a letter. I think it was Dennis that told me one time that the, the board discussed one letter from an individual appraiser came into the appraisal foundation. They can, they can discuss that letter for eight hours. They will read your letter. They want to know what you think, because guess what? If the USPAP document was perfect, it probably wouldn't be changing all the time. Would it? They took this statement and they took it out of standard one and standard three. And they put it over into the competency rule, which is where it should have been all along. Now, that statement covers you as an appraiser whenever you have your appraiser hat on, whatever you're doing in the capacity of an appraiser. And that's not going to get you out of hot water necessarily, but our regulatory board should recognize that we we as appraisers, we're human beings and we make mistakes just like regulatory boards make mistakes. Hey, let me see your recent audit. Let me see the last five audits you had from the ASC. Did y'all get a perfect report every time? <laughs> or was there some deficiencies or recommended changes or I don't know what they do, but I want to. I want to see everyone uh, over the last three years that the ASC did. How many got perfect scores? Hey Jim, I, I want to ask you that question. How many got a perfect score? No deficiencies, no warnings, no errors. You guys, it's unlikely. We all are prone to making mistakes. So here's the statement. You can look it up. It's on page eleven of your current edition of USPAP. By the way, this current edition of USPAP twenty. 2021 has been extended through 2022. So don't forget that it's the law of the land for the next year as well. So let, let me just read this. So I get it. Perfect. (laughs) Cause I'm trying to be perfect today. Ready? It's uh, on page 11 of your current edition of USPAP and it starts at line item 301. And it says, Perfection is impossible to attain, and competency does not require perfection. That's a huge statement, ladies and gentlemen. Right in our standards of practice and our ethics, you don't have to be perfect as an appraiser. Perfection is impossible to attain, and competency does not require perfection. It goes on to say, however, an appraiser must not render appraisal services in a careless or negligent manner. This rule requires an appraiser to use due diligence and due care. So you can't, you can't be reckless and you can't 
just do whatever you want to and say, oh, I'm not perfect. No, that's not an escape clause for you. It's not a get out of jail free card. So let's not abuse it. Let's not be careless or negligent. Let's do our job and do the best job that we can possibly do and strive for perfection, maybe knowing that we're never going to get there, but at least practice makes better. So let's try to be the best that we can be. You know, I was pleased to hear at Arrow that a lot of the boards are, are not really holding the appraiser's feet to the fire over minor issues. You know, for crying out loud, we've got people out there making up sales. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's suspend their license or take their license away. Forget suspending it. If you're doing unethical things like that, you should be punished and you should be punished severely. But God forbid you make a little error and they're going to beat you up over it. And that's what appraisers are fearful of. You know, I just had a conversation with 50 appraisers yesterday, and they, you know, I don't want to take a trainee on because that increases my liability and the board's going to get me. The board does have an obligation to regulate you. That's their job. But we're not perfect. Neither is the board. We all make mistakes. And I don't think we ought to be crucified over a minor mistake. We should learn from our mistakes so that we don't make those in the future. Quit lying to your kids. Practice makes it better. I hope you guys are staying safe. I hope you're having a good time. Hope you're making lots of money. Please be super safe. Uh, COVID's not, not over and done with us yet. Uh, and I just, um, I just had one of my instructors pass away, uh, Mr. Stephen Forrester. So my heart and prayers go out to his family, his wife, and two children. Uh, he was uh, in the Bahamas and um, got COVID. His wife and children came home because they were negative at the time. They sent tested positive, but uh, Mr. Forrester did not make it, and. Um, and it, it, uh, I'm still in shock about it, to be honest with you. Uh, he was just in my little town of Winsboro right before they went on vacation. Julie and I had dinner with him, and uh, he met with another instructor and I and Claire of my office working on some QE for you folks. And um, so it's a real thing. It's still there. Please protect yourself. Please be safe. Please try to uh, take that very serious because we're not out of the woods yet. If any of you are at the summit, I hope you come up and say hello to me. I hope, uh, again, you stay safe. You make some money. Live your life. Take a vacation or a mini vacation. Until next time, this is Brian Reynolds, your host. You've been listening to the Appraisal Update podcast. Until next time, happy appraising. The Appraisal Update podcast is brought to you by Appraiser E-Learning.